Blog Talk Radio. and welcome to Grendelbed Tales, where we learn about Laura Ingalls Wilder One Room Schools and, uh, and other social history. And the other social history is what we're actually working on today. But before we get to that, let's do a little housekeeping. And with that, I just want to remind everybody that our phone numbers, if you want to call in and be a part of the show, are 714-242-5253. That's 714-242-5253. And my, or you can call toll-free 1-877-633-9389. That's one 877 339389 and uh, in terms of what's coming up I do have one program this year or well, this year this month coming up in June happy June everybody uh, and it is going to be on June 13th in Beatrice Nebraska uh, at the National Homestead Monument now that monument is uh, the very first homestead that was filed on uh, the Daniel Freeman farm. Uh, and they also have connections uh, with and a lot of items from the very last homestead filed, which was in Alaska. And quite a while later, it was uh, pretty far into the 20th century before they actually closed the Homestead Act. But we will get to that uh, later this month. Now, uh, it's not going to be one of my standard programs because I'm actually going to be on a panel with a group of other speakers talking about um, prairie authors and their interaction with the Homestead Act. So uh, they're going to be live streaming that. So even if you can't come to Beatrice, be sure to watch for that link. Uh, and in terms of shows, I am still uh, working on trying to get my schedule sewn up, and it has just been crazy this year. I do not understand why it's been so hard to get time to line up. But keep watching. I got an episode uh, done earlier this week, and we're doing one today. So we will hopefully be getting a, a good set of episodes done this June. And I'm going to start a new series of those, I think. Uh, I've been thinking about it for a while, and I'm going to do an episode about each home site. So if you really uh, are interested or planning a trip or you want to talk about visiting that home site, watch for those coming up. I don't have them scheduled yet either. It has really been a heck of a year to try and schedule anything. So with that, let's get on 
back to our program. And we are going to talk today about Memorial Day. Now, right here at the beginning, I want to recommend a book by John E. Miller called Looking for History on Highway 14. Now, Highway 14 uh, goes across Minnesota and South Dakota, and it probably goes on from there at both ends. Uh, But his work was in South Dakota, and he went along the towns on Highway 14, and every town he did a chapter on uh, an important part of small-town life. And the chapter on DeSmet focuses on their Memorial Day celebrations. And if you want to read more about a Memorial Day celebration, uh, that's the best source I have come across. Now, uh, it's talking in specifics, not in generalities, and there are probably better stuff. But in terms of what I have personally read, that is the best one. I recommend it. Uh, Now, when I talk about Memorial Day weekend, I am meaning something different than a lot of people do. Uh, To a lot of people, Memorial Day is just one of the three-day weekends, and it's an opportunity to kick off summer, and you see people on boats and doing campouts and bonfires and parties and all kinds of things like that. But what I'm going to be talking about today is the thought behind Memorial Day, uh, why it was um, the purpose of it being set up. Now, I'm not going to go into the story of how it was set up because that is a long and complicated thing with various, various viewpoints on it probably a lot of which have some truth to them. And we're not going to dig into all that. So we're going to talk about the idea of how, uh, about why it became national and what the point of it was. Uh, And another 19th century, well, almost 19th century, 1912, uh, depiction of what a Memorial Day um, celebration honoring looked like in terms of um, remembering veterans and putting flowers on the grave uh, because uh, peonies usually um, uh, bloom about Memorial Day. So it was tradition to put uh, peonies on graves. And so if you're interested in that, there's a nice depiction of that in the fiction book, Emily of Deep Valley by Maud Hart Lovelace. But that is basically one of the main things, that you put flowers on graves in remembrance of people. Now, cemeteries were uh, used to play a different part in people's lives. Now, there were cemeteries where people buried someone and moved on, but there were also a lot of family plots. And at the time, most cemeteries were not perpetual care cemeteries. Now, that means if you have a truly non-perpetual care cemetery, uh, then you are responsible for your family's plot. 
uh, in terms of putting flowers on there, planting things, um, mowing the lawn, keeping the weeds off of it. It was, um, I mean, sometimes they would have services like having sheep out there eating the grass, which actually we have at the cemetery near my house still. But uh, it was basically the idea that the family would take care of the grave all the time, not just at Memorial Day. A lot of graves would be by churches, and people would come and visit the grave every every Sunday. There was also a lot of people who would treat cemeteries as sort of like parks, because you had big green open space, you had trees, you'd walk around through it and reading the stones. So uh, cemeteries used to have a much more active, frequently visited role in people's lives. And some of this comes from that idea that at Memorial Day, you put out flowers, not just on veterans' graves, which were a big part of why the celebration was done in the first place, but on graves of people you know or people you were connected with. So um, my grandmother always planted petunias on our graves, and my mom is much more into silk flowers, but uh, we do three cemeteries, and there's a fourth one we normally at least visit, and there's three more in the general area that we probably should visit but are quite a bit of a drive away and if you're out there doing flowers you really can only do so much so we visit them at another time of the year so um just as an example for who we do uh there's my oh i forgot that one so we do do four and there's fifth one we should do and then there's the three other ones. Uh, so there's my grandparents. There's my great-grandparents. There's my great-grandfather's sister. There's my great-grandfather's other sister. There's um, my great-great-grandparents uh, on the other side. Uh, there are uh, my great-great-aunt and her husband. There is my um, grandparents, there is the wife of my brother's best friend, there is uh, the mother-in-law um, of my great aunt, there's the a lady who was the librarian who really inspired me uh, in my job, Hazel Westgate. I I loved her. She was so great. Uh, and she really did not have a lot of family around. So uh, I always try and put a flower on hers. There's also a Pearl Harbor uh, a sailor who was killed at Pearl Harbor that was uh, went to school where my grandmother went to school. And in her yearbook, which, my God, yearbooks used to be so much better than they are now. Uh, in her yearbook, which you used to get out and look at, they had a, a tribute uh, page to him. And he has a remembrance stone set 
set up there, and I don't think he has any family left alive. And if he does, they never put flowers on his grave. So um, that uh, Paul Herring Jr. is his name. So I always put a flower there. Uh, there are uh, my great, I think he would have been great, great uncle, uh, my great, great, I think that one would be, through, no, yeah, because he were dead before I was. Okay, so he's great, great, great uh, uncle. And uncles and aunts pick up greats sooner than grandparents, so it isn't, he wasn't all that old. Uh, and my other great aunt, and we usually at least drive by my great aunt and my great uncle and uh, a cousin, a distant cousin, uh, are all on the same line. So that's our, oh, and I forgot Fred. Uh, he was another great, great uncle. So uh, we put a lot of flowers out, and we think it's important. We drive around the cemetery, and we look at the graves and take care of them. And uh, you also do that at Christmas, but Memorial Day is the big day of the year. And you will look around, and you will see flowers that other people have put out. Uh, it's, uh, and usually... You're only allowed to put them so many days ahead. It depends on your particular cemetery. They have their own um, rules about how far you do it and how far ahead you can do it. And they usually take them off because if they're doing mowing, they don't want to mow, have to try and mow around flowers because uh, it is a pain. So uh, I am actually going to be doing another episode Probably this month, um, before I get going on the site episodes, I want to do one on cemeteries because I have done one on cemeteries before, and I've put some more thought in one of the things I talked about, and I really have come to a different answer about it. So I, I do want to talk about do a new episode where I kind of my thinking on it now. So watch for that about cemeteries and visiting cemeteries. But that's about all that today because we want to get to the veterans. Now Memorial Day is specifically for people who uh, died in service of their country. Now they also have Veterans Day for people who came back and they are still alive. But Memorial Day is for people who passed. And one of the important things you can do for that is you can fly your flag. Even if you do nothing else, uh, to fly your flag is an important thing if you have one and if you don't get one. If you have a flagpole that allows it, our particular flagpole doesn't, but there are flagpoles that do. Um, you should have it at half staff uh, to, uh, for the first half of the day and then at noon raise it up to full height. Uh, having a flag at half-staff is a symbol of mourning. So every actual Memorial Day, uh, there is a ceremony uh, in most communities. Now, when I was little, it traveled around cemetery to cemetery, which I actually kind of liked. It was sort of um, a recognition of everybody. 
Uh, and since I've been probably in high school, uh, Solent, which is the one we normally go to, uh, has theirs just at Solon's Oakland Cemetery, which I, I think it really lost something when it when it moved to that one place. And now it's moved again because they raise money for a tribute to local veterans in the park in town, and they put a freedom rock there and. It's a long story what a Freedom Rock is. If anybody cares, ask me, and I will tell you it is quite the story. But anyway, so now they meet in this kind of downtownish area. And probably the other reason they moved to there, even though I don't like it as much, uh, there was just not enough safe parking by Oakland. Um, and when nobody when pretty much everybody in town went to the ceremony, and if they didn't go to the ceremony, they stayed home. It wasn't such a big deal, but we have a lot more uh, out-of-town people coming through and just blowing by on their way out to the lake, and it really isn't safe to have cars parked on both sides of the road with really not much in the way of shoulder and have them try and walk out there, which I think was also part of the idea behind moving it. But anyway, so usually the ceremonies are held outside because of one part that we're going to get to. And if you'd like to see highlights of this, on my Trundle, Trundle Bed Tales YouTube channel, uh, there is a video of Memorial Day, uh, and it's from, I think, 2011, and uh, it was before they moved, and you can kind of get uh, a rundown of what the ceremony was like. And now I have just thought about it. I will go back and add it to the description of this uh, podcast. So uh, at the, you're at the cemetery. And quite often these ceremonies are done by the American Legion. In this area, I imagine veterans of foreign wars probably also do some. And, you know, other veteran service groups. Uh, the bad part of that is that a lot of um, these organizations in this area are aging out. And part of that is just, you know, the people who were in World War II, were in uh, Korea, they're just reaching that age. They have been involved in the organization you know, there's part of the ceremony now where they announce how many years people have been in this organization, and it's huge numbers now. Uh, so part of it's just natural aging. Part of it is volunteers. Small towns have problems with volunteers because of a change in mindset, which is worth its own episode. I'm not going to go into it here. And also because I can tell you I am sure this is not true everywhere, but I can tell you that there are units where they really did not want to let the Vietnam vets coming back into the club. And that has really come back to bite them in terms of having enough people and that generation involved to pass things off to. Uh, there are usually quite a few people there in the war since, um, but it was really a 
stumbling block and they really haven't gotten over it. So, oh no. Hold on one second. Okay, nope. We're just going to hear the the bell ring while I finish up. Uh, And I should apologize. Uh, I am doing this in the house because my brother has yet to get the internet out to my building that I had built so I would have a nice quiet place with no phone to do this. So that is why we still hear the phone and with my with being here by myself when it would be nice and quiet for the program, uh, that means when the phone rings, there's nobody else to answer it. So apologies for that. Anyway, we are doing the ceremony. Now, the ceremony is normally organized as stand-up. You are standing to respect the veterans. Um, Then, as I mentioned, a lot of people who had been involved in this were getting older, and they just couldn't stand. So they started bringing chairs. And now perfectly young people who would have not a bit of difficulty standing up for the whole time feel the need to bring chairs too. And it's just really, it's really disrespectful. I, I do not bring a chair. And while there are definitely some people who may have unobvious problems, um, I, I do think it is unfortunate. So if you can physically stand, it is best to stand, which is another part of having it outside. There's a color guard that brings in the flag. Those are normally Boy Scouts. They have a prayer from the chaplain of the veterans organization. They have a high school band come and play patriotic music. Um, And it's usually the high school marching band. As I said, people stand up and they uh, haven't normally been... There aren't too many spring events uh, for marching bands, so they're wearing their fall costumes, and a lot of times it's a pretty hot thing to do. But school does come out. Uh, There are now, this really wasn't something that they did when I was younger, but as I mentioned, a lot of the people involved for a lot of years are now older, so they have awards that they give out for the number of people and number of years involved, and then they also read the names of the veterans who have passed away in the last year. Uh, Then they have a speech. You normally bring somebody in who is in the military uh, to do a speech. Some of them are better than others, Uh, but they come in and they do, you know, 10, 15 minutes, depending on how long they want to speak and everything like that. Uh, then there is a special ceremony where the color where the members of the color guard of the service organization lay a wreath of poppies on a soldier's grave or a sailor's grave or you know a marine corpsman grave or a marine grave or whatever air force. And they used to do it on a particular veteran's grave every year, which I thought was so nice. And again, that's something that has been lost. Our particular 
Memorial Day ceremony moved to this park in town. So they have a large white cross, and they just put that up and lay the wreath on that. They have a wreath made of poppies, which is really very lovely, and they do a special little ceremony to lay the wreath. Uh, then they have a 21-gun salute. So members of the veterans organization will go out, line up, and fire um, their guns to as a salute. Uh, and when I was a little kid, I used to run around afterwards and get the, trying to pick up the shells that were left because I think they actually do fire real shells that they are real bullets. At least I think our group did. Um, they might be blanks, I don't know, but they went, they were really loud and they fire those off. And it usually ends up that they have seven people and they, um, they shoot the guns three times. They may not always keep it to seven, but the idea is that it would be a 21 gun salute. Then they pay, play taps. And I just think it's a super powerful moment and it has made me cry sometimes because it's just so it's it's such a moment of honor and sympathy and empathy it, it is very very powerful and one of the the veterans or sometimes they get somebody from the high school band. Um, sadly, now they've had to go to recordings to some actual funerals, but I think usually they can get a live person for Memorial Day. And they have somebody right there play taps. And if you don't know what taps is, it's the do, 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 and then they hold that last note and they have set a whoever is also a uh, a, a I lost the word but they, whoever else plays the, the instrument they send them over the hill far enough away so you can't see them. And then they echo back the taps. So from a long way away, you hear the taps coming back. As if it was from coming back from heaven or whatever resting place um, you think people go to. It's just such a powerful thing. And I really think even if you're not someone who goes to a Memorial Day ceremony every year, I, I think at least once you want to go and hear the taps and the reply taps. because, uh, And uh, then they normally end up with the high school band uh, playing a patriotic song. And they, you know, they can do whatever ones they want. So... You know, My Country, Tis of the Star-Sangled Banner, Hail Columbia, you know, and This Land is Your Land. They, they do a different set of them every year. Uh, just any patriotic song, the band director gets to pick that. 
and then everybody kind of breaks up. Uh, they the veteran people usually invite everybody back to the hall for, and that's really the end of the Memorial Day ceremony. It. I, I highly recommend you go to it. I know, as I say, a lot of people see Memorial Day as a celebration to kick off the beginning of summer. But that's really not what the purpose was. And even if you're doing things to kick off the beginning of summer, even if you don't have any graves nearby of families or friends to decorate, I really think you really should at least once in your life go to a Memorial Day celebration and hear the taps. It's just such a sign of respect and such a powerful reflection of what's going on. So, uh, So that's the end. That's what Memorial Day services are. Uh, I think they're really important, and I hope that you will now take this opportunity to go and visit one yourself. Thank you very much, and thank you for joining me on Trundle Bed Tales. Come visit me again next time, and remember to brighten the corner where you are. (laughs) 